Welcome to another episode of Ride with Janice. Today, Janice will be talking to Pete Rodder. Pete is a natural horsemanship trainer from Ocala, Florida. We hope you enjoy it. Grab a pen and paper. You may want to take some notes. Before we begin, we just want to remind you that Ridermanship Rookie is available now on our website. This three-part audio training program will allow you to learn more about your body and your horse. You can learn more by visiting our website, pilatesfordressage.com, or follow us on social media. Now, on with the interview. Hey, riders, Janice Dulek here. Pilates for Dressage, the training and support you need to turn your rides into moments. I'm having a moment here with my good friend Pete Rada. Pete is a natural horsemanship trainer that I've known for years. He's helped me so much with my horses. He has created complementary horsemanship, and his new product is now available, which I'm very excited about. His work is just fabulous. So welcome, Pete. I'm excited to share you with my listeners. Um, so tell us a little bit about you and how did you get into horses and how did you come to creating complementary horsemanship? Well, thanks for having me, Janice. And so how I got into horses was I wanted to go to vet school and I wanted to do exotic animals at zoos and then eventually train exotic animals for movies so the vet school told me as an undergrad I should go animal science and so I decided to go animal science so I get large animal experience because I really hadn't had any other than playing with dogs and birds and stuff like that growing up and they said I said okay and then animal science told me well which species do you want to pick and I said well pick horses, I guess, because that's the only one that I know that you train. So I started on my journey on undergrad and figured out that I had a knack with horses. So I went to the barns all the time, learned how to train horses, that kind of stuff. And that led me to going down a path of, I wanted to know the why of everything. Why do you do this with a horse? Don't just tell me do that. I want to know the why. So I asked a lot of questions. And then about 10 years later, I found a program called Pirelli. And I got into Pirelli and they taught me the whys. And then I ended up studying it and then getting really good at it. And then went and became an instructor for them. And then during that journey, I decided I was like having trouble teaching students because they were not understanding what we were doing or they were about to have a problem and I was trying to put out fires the whole time. So I said, I need to teach everybody to be firemen. (laughs) And that's when I started coming up with what I call walk the line or the 10 blocks. And what it teaches you is how to be a fireman. So everything that we were having trouble with when I was teaching was space related. So they're going to jump on top of you. The horse is going to pull away from you. What do I do? All these different things. When I lead them, what do I need to do to keep them, keep myself safe? How do I help the horse? So it just became a mind of its own, and I decided to go out on my own, and then that's when I created complimentary horsemanship, enhancing what you want to do with your horse. So it just gives you a become a fireman and then go the direction you want to go and put out fires. I think that's a great description because I tell you, all of us 
have been in fires. <laughs> and we've been like, you know, what do we do? And thanks to you, I know what to do now. So I'm, I'm, never, I'm never too worried, although I do call you every now and then. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so you're in Ocala full-time. I know you've lived a lot of places, and I know you travel a lot, but now you're in Ocala full-time. So how do you spend your time in Ocala? So most of my time is spent going and teaching people. So I go to their place, help them with their horse, and then I have a few training horses usually at my place, and then I also travel around the United States to different places and do clinics and help people abroad. I do a lot of traveling usually during the summer, and then during the winter I spend most of my time in Ocala because it's got good weather and Lots of horses. Absolutely. Well, I am. I'm. I'm one of those students he teaches, and um, so it, it's great. And I love that we don't have to go to you oftentimes. Although I've sent my horse Finnegan, my horse spent a good three to four months with you, and you put you put out a lot of fires with him, and and really made him a respectable citizen, which I'm grateful for that. Um, so speaking of that, um, all of us have had issues with spooky horses and you've known my past horse, Rubiot, who was really spooky. Um, what is your secret to helping those kind of horses? I mean, I know what you do, but my listeners might not. Yeah. Spooking can be really complicated for a lot of people because what we do is we blame the horse for giving us feedback and we get mad at them. for Oh that yeah, <laughs> definitely. And frustrated. I mean, it is frustrating when you've spent so much time developing a horse and then all of a sudden he's spooking. So I always tell people, you know, the the big things are, are they not absorbing their environment? Are you going too fast? Are you going too slow? Are you being fair when you ask for something? And are you following through to the appropriate? And then my big thing is, is that enough? So a lot of times we want to trot, and they walk faster, and we don't release. So then they go, oh, that's not the answer. So then they might spook because now they don't understand. So there's a lot of things that can happen. And then the other thing that I've learned through the years is it can also be pain-related. So a lot of times horses spook because they're hurting, or we're doing things too strong, too fast, or we're getting them too much in a frame before they're really ready for that. So there's a lot of different things that can cause spooking. My my biggest thing is slow the human down, slow the horse down. Get them to absorb their environment. So a lot of times, why do they spook at the, you know, when you go to a new place? Cuz they haven't absorbed the environment. Why do they spook at your place? Well, the neighbors are doing a cookout and they've never seen that before. So a lot of times we don't give them the time to really check out the environment. And when you talk about checking out the environment, um, you're not on top of them. No, you, do you don't. You would be on the ground to start off, but then, yeah, getting on them, let them look around. A lot of times, horses get spooked because we take our, their eyes away from them. Yeah, because they always, you know, they teach you, don't let them look at that, don't let them look at that, and so you're constantly kind of using the reins when I'm, you know, when I was riding to not look at the thing that's scaring them. So you're saying that's not the thing to do? No, you can get. They're not wrong totally because eventually, once you have the rapport with them, you can say, "Hey, Janice, you, I've got you." you're okay, don't worry about that, I'm going to protect you. But a lot of times we aren't protecting our horses, so then they look at something scary, and then we say, don't look at it, and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't trust you, and there's a scary thing. 
So a lot of times I'll go, just let them check it out, let them calm down, and then let's go through what you wanted to do. And then eventually they'll start relaxing and going, oh, you're going to let me look at it. Just like if you were scared of snakes and I walked you by a bunch of snakes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You, and I go, no, Janice, don't look at them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of times. But then there's the point of, Janice, you've got to pay attention to me and come with me. So it's a balancing act. You know, which one do I need to do? And that's where you got to learn your horse. you got to learn yourself. And your leadership has to come up. And I suppose, like, is there a, I'm trying to think, is there kind of a go-to, like, I'm walking my horse and all of a sudden he starts freaking out? What would be, what what should I do? I mean, a lot of us start yanking and screaming at him and yanking on him and trying to, you know, stop them from, you know, rearing up and doing things and we panic. Um, What would you do in that situation? What what would you tell us to do in that situation? So... I would tell you to go to something. So that's where my blocks really help you. I'd go, if you understood my blocks, I'd go, what block are you on? Meaning, you know, we're in the classroom. What am I allowed to do right now? Am I allowed to sit at my desk? Can I walk around? What am I allowed to do? So that way the horse knows, oh, you want me behind you. You want me wherever I need to go, but don't come into your space or pull on the end of the rope. And I have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Or I face the danger and say, get behind me because you're less likely to get run over if the danger is in front of you than if you're facing away from the danger. <laughs> right. So the horse needs to be behind you and you need to stand between them. That's interesting because we always try to make them do something. And I think you're, you're saying you're, we should teach them so that you know they know what to do. Yeah, it's, I always take my parents, for example, is a good parent helps a kid that's scared. But uh-huh. they, they give them a direction. Okay, sit over here. Let's look at the danger or let's explain the danger and they take some time. Or they say, okay, let's move away. Mm-hmm. And that's okay until you calm down and then we'll get closer and no big deal until you can handle it. But I'm not going to wait until... You know, the forest fire is there. And that's what I always tell my students is, can you put a forest fire out with a squirt gun? Not so much. You can if you catch it at a spark. Oh. (laughs) So a lot of times we let our horses elevate until they're at a forest fire and we're calling, you know, the jumpers, the planes and everything to put out the fire. And we're sitting there with a squirt gun Mm -hmm. instead of going, oh, there's the little bit of he looked at it. Okay, let's put that out with that squirt gun instead of waiting for it to escalate. But once it's escalated, you got to do what you got to do. And that's the advantage I have when you learn my blocks is I go, okay, go to one of my blocks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my good students, they might go to the wrong block, but it worked because they had a focus and they went through it until they found calm, connected, confident, communicating. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, this is, I've seen this work so much. Um, I, I can't tell you all how wonderful this uh, method is. Um, so we talked about spooky horse, but then there's also those lazy horses. And you know I have one, the one that was kind of a little bit um, uh, fire, you know, forest fire. And then he turned kind of lazy. And I had a lot of problems with, um, I have problems motivating him. And I know there's other listeners out there who have that problem, that their horses just, 
they're they're just not interested in in doing much. So what is a what is something that you could tell them that they could do for that kind of lazy, not interested horse? So the first thing I would do is change lazy into conservative. Oh, because they're not really lazy. They're conserving their energy. We forget that these animals, when they run beyond what they can handle, they now have put themselves in a state that they could get caught by a prey animal or a predator because they're a prey animal. So if you run five miles, you know the police are going to protect you if you call 911 if somebody breaks in. Mm -hmm. They don't know that. Mm -hmm. They are worried about, oh, my gosh, if I expel all this energy, I'm not going to be able to run away when the danger comes. So that's where we have to backtrack and get their confidence with us and our trust, their trust with us, so that they can go, oh, if you say we can go that long, that's fine. So that's the first thing is getting them to understand it's conservatism. They're not lazy. Interesting concept. Then the next thing is when you ask and they give you just a little bit, is that enough? And that's the hard part because we're like, well, I want to trot and he's got to trot from, you know, X to this and, you know, all this kind of stuff for our dressage or whatever we're doing with our horses. And it's like, yes, but that's when you've got to have that. When you're in training, that's a get to situation. So if he walks faster, well, that's better than the slow walk you were having, Mm -hmm. but you don't recognize it. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there. That when they ask their husband to do something and he takes his time, <laughs> they get frustrated. But the same thing, if he got up and started walking that direction, hey, tell him, good job. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Now, he might not be doing the speed you want, but I guarantee you, you give him a couple good boys that way, he might be going faster than what you asked for. So that's the hard part when we're wanting a trot. We don't accept those faster walks. But that's an upward transition. So if you were driving your car and you said, I want to go faster, well, one mile an hour is faster. Mm-hmm. Might not be 11 miles an hour where you want, but it's still faster. So learning to accept those little tries is what really makes the difference. And there's other strategies too. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, following through. There's a lot of times we don't follow through all the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we go, oh, come on, pretty please, and put sugar right. on top of it and all that. And so some of those horses are being conservative because they're like, well, you don't really mean it. So why should I go? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things. I had a, a fr- mutual friend of ours that has a horse that's actually in my videos that for seven years traveled the whole United States from trainer to trainer and could not get this horse to go and maintain it. And we sat, stood for hours on a Frisbee. And she was like, this is ridiculous. We're not doing anything. And all of a sudden, her horse starts moving on its own. And I said, well, if it won't move on its own, how are we going to ask it to move? And then before you knew it, I had to get the human to calm down, get the horse to be relaxed. And then before you knew it, many months later, she was starting to want to go. And now she's getting trots that are more than she's ever asked for and the horse is just floating to go faster and you know it should be cantering and just going faster so she's blown out of the water but it took a long time to get a horse like that it's just like us humans some of us are hey i can get things quick like when i 
studied with you. I didn't get anything quick. I, in fact, I got frustrated every time you we'd have a mat class and somebody'd go, "Oh yeah, I feel it," and I'm like, I'd come up to you at the end of the thing and go, "Janice, I spent a whole month and I've just found that, and this person gets it in two lessons." What? And you'd say, "Oh well, some people understand their body better and all that," and I'm like, "But that's the same thing we're doing with our horses. Mm-hmm. We forget how we learn." So a lot of people that push their horse, if we went and I said, okay, let's learn how to juggle, and I push you just as much as you push that horse, you'd get really frustrated or start shutting down. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, we forget to put ourselves in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. And we think they should know it by now. They should know it by now. And, um, you know, and honestly, the training dancers... You know, we'd, we'd, we'd work every day and we'd work every day. And, and, and a year later, they'd walk into the class and I'm going, like, have you ever seen a dance class in your life? You know, so I, I learned that training is not just uh, a diagonal line upwards. Yeah, and know? I always tell my students there's, there's different stages of learning that I've discovered. There's, and this is for the horse and the human. I guess, I think, I know... I understand. Now, somewhere between those, or sometimes some horses or some people, every one, is the last one, which is I test. So are you paying attention, or is it the same today? Is it the same in this new place? I'm going to test the answer. Oh, that's real, That's a really interesting um, you know, model of, of learning. I've never heard that before. Is this yours? Yes. Uh, I came up with it. I was sitting there going, you know, what it, what's going on with the horse? And the first time we ask it to do something, it's guessing. Uh-huh. Is this what you want? Is this what you want? Which people get frustrated with mm-hmm. even. They're like, I'm not saying that. Well, he's looking for an answer. And then we release and they go, oh. And then they go to the stage. And it might be a couple guesses. Mm-hmm. Then they go to the stage of, I think this is the answer. And, and my students, I talk to my students all the time. I go, okay, tell me what, what you're feeling there. And they go, well, I think I've got it. So I'm like, oh, I know what stage you're in. Mm-hmm. And then the horse goes, now I know it. When you ask me that, I know to go here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, woohoo. But do they understand? Meaning when you ask, they go, oh, I understand that I need to do this. And that's the same thing with the human is, you know, it's more intellectual with the human is I always break it down. And I'm like, yeah, you know it, but explain it to me. Right. So right. if you understand it, you're going to do it every time. If you just know it, you might do it most of the time, but you're not going to do it every time or be able to explain it when somebody questions you. And then you test it. Okay, Pete, I was... You know, I went to the show and I tested your theory about doing your blocks at the show and, oh, it worked, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that's great. I love that. Um, super. So um, as a teacher, what are the, what are your goals for your students? So as a teacher, my goals for my students are what we just talked about, understanding what you're doing. So a lot of times, no criticism, or like Ray Hunt used to say, if the shoe doesn't fit, I'm not talking to you. But a lot of trainers get their students to do things, but they don't know why, or if it goes wrong, what to do. 
So my students, like I said before, were, I want them to be firemen, to know what to do when everything goes wrong. That might be getting off if you're riding mm-hmm. and doing what you need to do on the ground. But I want my, my students to understand why they're doing these things and understand the horse and how they feel about it. Because a lot of times my students that are pushing on their horse too much, I'll start teaching them a lot faster and a lot stronger. And they'll go, Pete, why are you yelling at me? And I'm like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just pushing you as much as you're pushing your horse. So getting them to understand that there is no shortcuts. Mm -hmm. That if you want to put the time in to really get good with your horse, you might have to go back to lunge lessons. I have a student right now. I'm giving lunge lessons, and she is getting way better with her seat and with you, what you taught me. Like, I didn't want to go in the studio and do all this, but I was so desperate to ride better, I'd do anything. But you took me back to the basics of movement and taught me that I didn't know how to move properly. I didn't know how to hold my body properly. So I had to go back and understand my body before I could ask another body underneath me to do anything. I think that this is why, you know, I, I've connected with you and your um, complimentary horsemanship program so much because it's very much the same as I teach. It's you want to empower people, basically. You want to empower them as because if you're just told what to do, I would take a clinic and the instructor would tell me what to do, but I didn't know why. And so I couldn't understand them when they were gone what to do. I didn't know. I didn't understand. I didn't, you know, so... Um, and the same thing when I teach my, my, I teach a lot of Pilates teachers and they're just sort of going through the, you know, through the, through the exercises and they don't really understand what they're for and they don't know how to help their clients. And all of a sudden when they start to break things down into small pieces and understand those pieces, they understand how to put out those fires with their clients. So anyways, I think that's, um, that's really brilliant. And I, and I know basics are I always say it's kind of like watching paint dry when I'm teaching a Pilates person because it's not fancy and it's not exciting, but it's thorough and you, you, your work really does empower people. Yeah, I, I that's like that. and with your stuff, I always tell people when they watch mine is if you can't control your energy, so you can't turn your energy off, how, what are you doing to that horse? Mm. You know, so teaching those basics of just turning your energy off. So that you have control of your energy and then how much do you have to bring your energy up? You know, to me, those are basic concepts that nobody talks about. Well, no, and yeah, and we, we don't understand that. I remember when I had Rubiat was like a uh, you know, yearling or whatever, and I'd be so excited to see him in the barn. And I was coming with all this energy. He just looked at me and walked to the back of the stall going, oh, my gosh. And I learned I had to stop myself like when I got in the barn. I was so excited to see him every morning. And I had to breathe and just let everything go. It's so important. And every and everybody wants to teach the fancy stuff. Of course. Because that's the fun part. Right. And I always tell people, I would rather teach you how to paint or draw with the basics and then let you go out and explore and get all the other things that you can do with it. But if you don't have the basics, you can't do you, it. You can't do it. And you know, scales, you know, mm-hmm. music, I always compare that. A concert pianist Practice five hours a day, scales most of the time. Correct. That's how they get good, not by going and playing all these different songs. You can get good and you can go play all over, but you're not going to be at a concert 
doing that kind yeah, of but stuff. But that's the same with dressage horses. The um, the Olympic riders don't go out and run through a Grand Prix test every day. They do basics most of the time, and then maybe run through some of the movements once a week here or there. But it's always the basics. It's you know, and that's what I I love about my interviews. Um, I'm finding, of course, the people I'm drawn to. We all have these same. Um, values and and um Definitely. that's great so um so as a teacher do you see anything that all students really need to address i mean we all have probably yes basics right but also do you have another um any other thing that you see that are common mistakes or problems people so through the years teaching students i find that every human and every horse has the same problem because they're all the same and they're all different but they're all really the same. Some of them don't read the book, but we get back to the chapters that we need to get back to. So the eight things that I've come up with, and this is what I came up with, was focus, fair, follow-through, consistency, persistence, patience, flexibility, and sequencing. Holy moly, I need to write that down. <laughs> yeah, but, the, but going through each one of them, what I would watch my students... I'd have a student that couldn't focus. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to learn when you can't focus? Nothing. <laughs> right. And then I find somebody that doesn't start off fair for the horse. Mm. So they just go right into the spur or whatever you're asking or grab a hold of them or whatever. They didn't give them a chance. And then they didn't want to follow through. So they might have done it right, but they're like, oh, I don't want to do too much and I don't want to bother him. So then by follow not following through, they're not being fair. And then how, how many times did you do it? So were you consistent? Did you do it every day the same way? Oh, you changed it every day. So that's not fair for the horse either. You mean like me making the sign of the cross and asking for a canter? Yeah. I will get it. Hey, I bet your horse starts knowing what's coming <laughs> when you start moving your hand. But that's the consistency. Mm -hmm. And then persistence. Most people give up after two and a half minutes mm. when they don't get it. Mm. But if I was teaching them and I gave up on you in two and a half minutes, you'd be like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, you left me hanging. And then having patience. I mean, people don't have patience and patience is knowledge. If you know how long it takes to build a house, you're not asking the builder in two weeks why the roof isn't on. You know, he hasn't even poured the foundation. Yet. He's digging the footers, you know. There's lots of things that you have to learn and be patient to go that everybody wants to get to Grand Prix in two to five years, but that doesn't happen. You have to put the time in. And then sequencing or flexibility, excuse me, flexibility first. Being flexible. So are you consistent, but are you flexible? So it's not working. Are you going to go another direction to see if that's what the horse needs help with? Or are you going to sit there and run that into the ground? But don't be too flexible because if you're too flexible, then you're not really being consistent. So you're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And the horse goes, I have no idea what's going on. And then the last one is sequencing. So do you know how to sequence a maneuver? So if you had to teach something to that horse, how would you break it down? And that's what my blocks really teach you is how to sequence something. It's a sequential movement to get through my blocks, but then eventually you go, I want to do this maneuver. Let me bro break it down. What would I teach the horse first? 
then what would I teach it second? And then every day I go back to that first thing and then the second thing and then third thing. And then before you know it, your horse can do four or five things when you get to the goal instead of just, I got the goal, but my horse doesn't do anything else. So I always tell my students on those eight things, if you're having trouble, it's one or more of those. And if it's focus, it's all eight because without focus, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I break it down to those eight things. Wow, that's brilliant. Brilliant. So tell us a little bit about your new product that's out now. The product I have out is called The 10 Blocks or Walk the Line. And it's me going through the blocks of teaching everybody to be a fireman. And it's basics. It's just, you know, there's a lot more I want to put into it. But I wanted to show you how to build a cabinet. I don't want to go into, oh, if you mess up the screw, this is how you fix it. No, I want to show you this is what it should look like. Then, eventually, some new products will come out where I put in, okay, here's a horse that doesn't know it very well. And now you can, oh, I relate to that horse. Mm -hmm. So this one is basically going through my sequencing that I start every horse or every human off with. And then you get to watch it lots of times and go, oh, and go out there and do it with your horse, come back, watch it again. And then that way you get, it's like having me there for multiple, multiple, you know, for some people it takes them mm, four or five lessons to get to nine blocks. Some people it takes 25, 30 Mm -hmm. because everybody learns at a different pace. But using this can really help set up you and your horse for learning. I mean, it's really setting them up for your rides, for how you do everything, and then eventually how you lead your horse everywhere. Because when somebody leads their horse, I always I say this in this, I ask two questions. Does that horse look rideable for the average person? Just by watching them leading. And then my second question is, Who's in the leadership position? (laughs) So if the horse is in front of you, that's called guiding. It's not called leading in my book. So if he's got you going where he wants to go, even though you get to where you want to go, what is it going to be like when we get in the saddle? He's going to go, oh, no, no, no. I can go left if I want to go left. And you go, no, no, we are going right. So we're having this discussion instead of, oh, every time a human handles me, I need to listen to which way they want me to go or what I'm allowed to do. And then when we get in the saddle, it's not that big of a deal when we go, oh, I'd like to go left. And they go, oh, I'd love to. So then it's just a discussion in the saddle. So that's a little bit of the brief. You're you're learning to be a fireman. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I have to tell you that uh, Pete worked with my uh, two-year-old. I thought uh, when he was a yearling. And I thought I was going to have to sell Ferris because he was a wild child, um, very confident and very um, <laughs> in your face and liked to bite. And you couldn't turn your back on him because he would want to bite. And I tell you, within about three lessons, he was <laughs> turned into an angel. And to this day, um, he can be a little mouthy, but um, all I have to do is, you know, kind of raise my stick. And he just, he knows, he just knows, oops, I need to get out of her space and, and he's so respectful. And that was just from 
what, a couple months of you helping us once a week. But it was so powerful. Of course, you did it, which is which is much more effective than when I do it. But it was such a powerful time in his life that he still really knows and respects all that. And, um, yeah, that's why I, I just love the work. It's understanding bubbles. Mm-hmm. We forget that they have a bubble and we have a bubble. And they don't understand why we don't have a consistent bubble. Ah, right. And why we're allowed to come in anytime. Open invitation. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the biggest thing he had was, oh, I'm allowed to come in whenever I want. And I said, oh, no, no, I didn't invite you. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't mean about it, but I wanted to let him know that the invitation has to come before you're allowed to come in. And it's just like when I travel all over, people always go, oh, you have an open invitation. And I said, well, does that mean at 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm traveling <laughs> through this town and I didn't realize I had to stop, that I can just pull into your place? And they always go, oh, well, no, give us like a week notice. I said, okay, so it's not an open invitation. <laughs> right. But that's what we give to our horses. And mm-hmm. then we get upset when they come running into our space, and that's what he was doing. When he got unconfident, he'd come right in, mm-hmm. and that's what I was helping him with was, okay, here's the boundaries, here's the rules. And then he went, oh, as long as you're consistent with it, I'm fine. And that's what a lot of horses, when we ride, when we're on the ground, they want those boundaries. They might not like it at first, mm-hmm. but they want those boundaries. Yeah, that's, it's just brilliant work. So how can my listeners find out more about you, or, and where can they buy your product? You can find out more about me on Facebook, Complimentary Horsemanship. And my product will be at Quality Horse Equipment at qualityhorseman.net. Okay. So that's where you can buy that. You can buy the equipment. You can buy my, it'll be zip drives so that you'll put it in your computer or put it in the smart TV and then you can watch the videos. That's awesome. And I would recommend you run there right now and get that product because it changed my life. I've done a lot of different uh, methods and I, this is, it really did change uh, my life with my horses. So thanks for being with us today. Yes, ma'am. Janice Dulek, until next time, go find those moments. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Ride with Janice. Have you hit follow yet? When you do, you'll be alerted when a new episode is released. We release a new episode every two weeks. If you'd like to learn more about Pilates for Dressage and how it can help you, your horse and your progress, head to our website, pilatesfordressage.com or be sure to follow us on social media. You'll find us at Instagram and Facebook. Just search Pilates for Dressage. Have a wonderful day.